Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time. Is it all right if we jump in? Cool. Um, so just wanted to start off by asking you for your general thoughts around meditation. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) big question. There there are a lot. So, um, I guess the way that I, at least right now in my life have been, uh, using and getting value from meditation is, is as kind of this self insight practice is how I describe it. So, um, Really, I look at it as a way to just become really comfortable with myself, with my mind, uh, taking, you know, a few minutes every day just to step back and, you know, be with the one thing that's always there, which is, you know, yourself. Um, so, I, I, you know, for me, it's it's really been not about, you know, trying to increase my productivity or you know, make me a better employee, but really it's just trying to, uh, get comfortable with myself. And, and I think, you know, me, you know, live the best version of, uh, of my life. Right. And you said you spend a couple minutes uh, or a few minutes a day on average meditating. How is that uh, like the amount of time you spend meditating? Yeah. How has it changed over time? Yeah. Uh, my good days are, are up at around uh, an hour every day. Um, and then obviously, you know, with life and changing schedules and travel, you know, that gets to be affected. But the goal for me is always an hour. And that's something that has grown over the last few years. When I first started, the goal was five minutes. Um, and getting to five minutes was was a huge accomplishment. And I think a lot of people can agree that, you know, it's it's a difficult practice to kind of dive into and so cool if I could tell people that you know I meditate for an hour and you know it's kind of really a a quickly humbling experience to realize oh wow I can't sit still for you know five minutes without wanting to you know explode uh so um yeah it's something that I've I've definitely built up over the years and and something that I think, you know, everybody can build up as long as you're not too aggressive to start and not, you know, expecting that there's going to be such ease in being able to sit for, for long extended periods of time. Yeah. It's, it's something I've found difficult too <laughs> at times, just sitting down yeah. and being with your thoughts. Um, so I feel like I try to find excuses not to do it or reasons why it's, it's not effective, but, um, through looking yeah. at your book and some of the some of the other evidence, uh, it seems pretty clear that there's a lot of benefits to building a practice around meditation. Yeah, I would say the biggest uh, barrier I receive when you know I'm working with people is they're like, "Well, uh, either that's or I can't get my mind to stop thinking or." you know, all of these kind of like excuses, if you will, that you want to kind of throw out there and say, um, you know, this is not something for me. And that's all well and good to, you know, be afraid, I guess, of sitting down and of being with yourself. But where 
I think value add is for everyone is to say, hey, you know, you're stuck with yourself for the rest of your life. So why not, you know, do something that people have said allows you to be more comfortable with yourself? Um, you know, if it's uncomfortable, that's usually indicative of something larger going on that you have discomfort with sitting with yourself, which, you know, you're going to be with yourself for a pretty long time. So you might as well get comfortable with it. Um, so I definitely, I definitely have become a big proponent of saying that, you know, everybody can, can give it a shot. I mean, it might not be right for every person in their lives right now, but I definitely think that, uh, you know, the science, the literature, the testimonials are all there to show that there's some value in it. And, uh, the best part I think about the whole, every person who talks about it doesn't say, you know, all right, are you sold on the science? Are you sold on the literature? Are you sold on my testimonial? But rather they're like, listen, just test it out. You know, there's no harm. There's no cost. You can go and test it out for free right now. You know, after listening to this, you can go sit down and, and give it a shot. And there are tons of resources out there right now that are free. So uh, I think that's another really cool element of it is that, you know, it's not trying to sell you anything. It's just being like, you know, this is your mind sit with it for a little bit and, and see how it feels. Yeah. I, I like that aspect too. Um, what, what you said around, maybe there's something there if it's uncomfortable to sit with your thoughts. I agree. But on the flip side, if I'm just trying to once again, find an excuse for why, why meditation isn't, isn't something I should do. Like something I thought about is so like traditional meditation involves, I guess, sitting alone with your thoughts. Um, and then I, I look at like isolation or like solitary confinement, for example, which is considered like one of the worst forms of torture. And I wonder if there's like a conflict here. Um, and curious if you've thought about that or, or your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was actually, I asked this question a few days ago where somebody was like, you know, if being with yourself is torture, how do you get so much enjoyment out of it? Um, and I think, you know, it's only become torture because we've gotten so far away from comfortability around it. Um, you know, that even for me, when I first started, you know, yeah, it did feel like almost some elements of torture at times, you know, you're sitting in these cross-legged positions, which uh, you know, full disclosure, you don't have to do and, and we can discuss form and all of that at some point. But, um, you know, when your back is inflamed and your mind is racing all over the place and you feel like there's this voice in your head that's been talking for hours on end nonstop and it won't shut up and you just wanted to shut up. And, um, yeah, it definitely can feel like torture. Um, you know, and I guess you can liken it to, Almost like Navy SEAL training where you're training, you know, you're basically being tortured in order so that if you get captured, you know, you're not going to give in while being tortured, you know, that you basically make it so that you're used to the experience. Um, and the difference here between actual torture is that there's a lot of amazing things that start to happen when you get really comfortable with who you are as a person. Um, and when you, you know, start to find joy in being able to sit. You know, I think we as human beings have grown so far from our origin story and, and, you know, we've done so much 
but yet we're so uncomfortable with our natural state, which is just being alive and not having to do anything. And, you know, um, I have, I had one friend, uh, that was with me in Nepal on a retreat. And he said this quote once that I'll never forget, which was, you know, humans have stopped being human beings. They've started being human doings. Uh, and the reason that we're all starting to find meditation or find value in it is that we want to go back to being human beings and just being comfortable in the simplicity so that the complex becomes the cherry on top, you know, so that the work that you do, the way you present yourself in the world, your social life is not the necessity. It's not, you know, the meat and potatoes, but it's your dessert that, you know, is delicious and you get to enjoy just because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah, I like that. Um, one, one of my favorite parts from your book was when you mentioned you you asked people to think about what some of their happiest moments were. And yeah. the answers, like some might consider pretty surprising that almost no one brought up like big milestones or accomplishments and were instead talking about um, kind of smaller things in life, like, I don't know, like a day where the weather was really nice or they were like with friends listening to music in their car or something like that. And you were, you were suggesting it speaks to that, like our happiest moments are when we're really present. And that's what I guess meditation is meant to help with. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's super, super interesting. I, I started to do all of this research. Um, and, you know, I was with sitting there myself and was like, whoa, you know, I would expect that a lot of the happy moments in my life were the big ones that I was building up towards, you know, like a huge birthday celebration or, you know, even <laughs> even if you want to say, you know, the launch of my book, I thought would be, you know, a huge, fun, amazing milestone. Um, but, you know, all of those big events in life, whether it's a wedding, whether it's you know, the birth of a child or, you know, while they're amazing to look back on and they're like huge milestones, they come with a lot of stress because there's a lot to be done. Your head is moving in a bunch of different directions and you can't really just enjoy being in the moment because you're torn with doing all of this stuff. Um, so I think, you know, and, and it's research that I still continue to do. You know, I sit with friends and I'm like, tell me the last time that you were really, truly happy. Um, and a lot of times it's like the simplest little stories, you know, like, oh, I was with my significant other and we were like in a tickle fight, just laughing, or, you know, I was driving with my friends and it was gorgeous out and our favorite song was playing. Um, yeah. and it's these like little snapshots of life that, you know, often get glossed over as just like, okay, that's, you know, these little, little moments that don't really matter, you know, and instead I'm building up to the big moments. And, um, I think where, you know, that becomes really prevalent is, is in our career trajectories and, and everybody trying to get to the top. And then, you know, you're having a lot of people at the top now say, whoa, you know, I'm here, but something's still missing. Um, and I think that, you know, that is, key where it's to say like if you can't enjoy you know the little moments you can't recognize that those are the moments you already enjoy then you're just going to keep grinding through your life until all of a sudden you know you're at the end and uh you know you're looking back and you're you're, you're feeling like you moved too quickly and you didn't get to you know stop and smell 
the roses, as the famous expression says. So curious how you tend to view the balance between being satisfied with the present moment and and setting goals for the future and and mm-hmm. like do you see those in conflict um do you see not it? at all yeah no uh yeah no you know and that's why i you know i titled the book find your mind meditation for the bold and ambitious because i had so many people be like well if i slow down i'm not going to achieve anything or if i stop you know how can i be successful um and you know i kind of was trying to show that it, that it almost helps you even more, you know, to feel like you can keep setting goals, you can keep striving forward, but at the same time, you can enjoy exactly where you are and be really happy with what you've achieved thus far in your life. You know, it's, it's, I, I know for me, you know, I would love to be, you know, more successful in, in the ways that, you know, I deem that to, uh, be fit in my life, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have, you know, the best day every single day and try to wake up and be so grateful to be alive. And, um, you know, I think the, the key is that, you know, meditation, yes, you're implementing it into your life and you're trying to, you know, be a little bit more mindful. Um, and, you know, mindfulness is really just like in the moment meditation. So, you know, trying to be more aware of what's going on as you're doing it versus, you know, the seated practice of meditation. And I think, you know, the, the seated practice every day really helps ground you and helps you feel like you're setting yourself back into the moment, you know, and I think when we move so quickly, it's hard to, to recognize the moment. So you don't really have to change how you view goal setting. You just kind of have to add in a tool that like reminds you, Hey, dude, you're alive right now. You got stuff to do today versus, you know, 10 years from now, you know, and while you can still set those goals, which everyone does anyway, you know, let's take a minute and enjoy the fact that today exists. Yeah. So, uh, Yuval Harari's, uh, he's an author. I, I really have enjoyed his books. Um, he, he's into, he's really big into meditation. I think he meditates for, it's either an hour or two every day. And he spends, Mm -hmm. I think one or two months a year in, in silent retreats. Um, and people have asked him like, how do you, like, how do you have time for that essentially? And his, his response is that he wouldn't be able to write his books and have the focus if he, didn't meditate. So I guess that speaks to your point around like the, um, doing versus being. And if you, I guess, if you like meditation, I guess can be helpful to allow you to be more productive in the things that you do. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's, I guess, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea that, you know, there's so much out there that, meditation encompasses now and the word is starting to become one of those buzzwords and everyone's like wait I thought meditation was supposed to be a breath focus practice or I thought it was supposed to be a mantra practice or I thought it was supposed to be this that and I think you know really um what it boils down to is is you know for me at least two things is is sitting and spending some time uh with your own mind and trying to also be there in the present moment with whatever's going on. So uh, a lot of the meditation I do involves the breath because the breath is something that's always present. 
Uh, and the, you know, idea and the scope is, is focusing on the breath. Uh, and as you get distracted, noticing that you're distracted and then slowly coming back to the breath. Um, and you know, what this practice does is it basically allows you to translate that to real life, which, you know, in real life, you're walking through the street and there's a distraction and all of a sudden your mind goes down a rabbit hole and you're totally lost in thought. And, you know, it takes so long for us to come back and to be present again that you're like, whoa, how did my mind get from, you know, talking about Cheetos to all of a sudden, you know, World War Two. And like <laughs> you, you know, have no idea the trajectory of what happened. And it could be an hour of like, you know, train of thought. And I know everybody's had this happen before in their lives when, you know, you meet a new person um, and they say their name and you can't remember their name. Um, and there's a lot of other like, uh, genetics or, um, stuff going on. That's like human, uh, evolution. That's kind of impeding your ability to remember the name, but basically your mind is just not there. Um, and you can't, you know, focus on what's going on. So I think, you know, there, there are real world benefits from, you know, the seated practice as well as, you know, just being a little bit more mindful um, in everyday life. And I, and I just think, you know, to establish, uh, kind of a little bit more clarity around the fact that, you know, meditation, yes, has kind of this umbrella aspect to it. And there are many different forms of practice that fall underneath. Um, and kind of, you know, just to clarify which one I'm talking about and, and why I think it's, uh, valuable. Right. Personally, I, I, I haven't sat down to meditate in a while, but, when I have in the past and experimented with it, that was that aspect of it was probably what was most helpful was, I guess, being more aware of my thoughts for the first time. I think it helped with that. And um, what I what I found kind of shocking was like doing these breathing meditations where I was focusing on my breath, counting to ten, and um, I guess a thought would appear my mind would go off and, and wander down that thought. And it might take me two minutes or five minutes to realize I had stopped counting my breath. And, and you don't even realize that how long yeah. you've been, you've stopped. So yeah, I found that, that pretty surprising. And, and you mentioned in the book, a Harvard study showing that the average person's mind is wandering 47% of the time they're awake, which I'd never seen a number to it. Uh, it's, which is, I don't know, I feel like for most people might be pretty shocking. Um, yeah. 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 The, I guess to clarify kind of the experiment, uh, basically they had, you know, people check in on their phones, uh, sporadically throughout the day, a uh, pretty big sample size and say, you know, what are you thinking, you know, right now? Um, or how are you feeling right now? And, you know, they said a lot of the times people would say, you know, that their mind was, was wandering, um, or that they had no idea what they were thinking about until, you know, the question was asked of them. Um, which, you know, oftentimes is the case, you know, you ask your friend, what are you thinking about? And it's usually something totally random, totally off base, not having anything to do with the most recent conversation you guys just had. Um, and I think, the, you know, while the number, some people could say, okay, you know, it's hard to really get a concrete number on that study. You know, you just look at your own life and you say, okay, how often does my mind wander? You know, how many conversations 
have I had, you know, in the last week where I feel like I haven't been fully present or I haven't been fully there to understand it? Or how many meetings have I had at work where my mind has been wandering or doing something else? Or how many projects have I been working on that I haven't been fully invested for, you know, the eight hour workday on getting done? Um, and, you know, I think in a, in a lot of that time, you know, the mind tends to wander. It's what it's done for, you know, pretty much your entire life. So unless you train it to do otherwise, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, run all about in a hundred million different directions that often make no sense. And, uh, you know, it takes a long time to notice. Uh, and that honestly, so the, the, the really funny part about meditation for me was that it was nothing like anything I had learned before. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've done in my life, whether it be, you know, fitness or, you know, trying to achieve in school, there was always this really clear uh, task and then reward. So I would, you know, uh, do a workout and, you know, my serotonin and dopamine levels would increase and, you know, my body would be exhausted and I'd feel like I got something out of the experience. Um Conversely, I would, you know, sit into a meditation and my mind would wander all over the place and the bell would ring and it'd be done. And I'd be like, what the heck? Like, that doesn't make me feel better at all. I'm still stressed. I'm still anxious. I don't feel like everything is clear and better. Um, and, you know, that's why I think it's it's really nice to have, you know, teachers and friends that are also going through this experience so that you can have people to ask because, uh, without that for me, I think I would have easily given up. And, uh, basically I had one teacher who said, you know, the, the key is not clearing your mind and feeling totally Zen. The key is recognizing the success in, you know, these little moments. So when you recognize that you've been distracted for two to five minutes, like that's a success. That's not a moment where you should say, holy crap, I've been distracted for two to five minutes. I suck at meditation. But rather, it's a moment where you should say, wow, I was just distracted. And now I'm realizing that, you know, and before I had no idea my mind was wandering and I didn't even recognize. It. Now I can recognize it and I can actually choose to do something about it. Um, so it's like these really subtle changes of like how you speak to yourself or how you look at, you know, success in terms of meditation that I think, you know, can really trip people up or make them feel like they're not good at it. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing as being good at it. It's more about just, you know, the continuous repetition, uh, and practice that will, you know, show profound benefits for you, everybody, uh, in their lives in their own ways. So you talked about how, uh, you used to feel like work at, at times and, and be challenging. Do you still feel that way about meditation? Do you, look forward to sitting down for a meditation? It will ebb and flow. And, and I'm always very honest about this. You know, I've, I've obviously written a book about meditation and, and speak a lot about it. And, you know, people are like, well, shouldn't you be like the guru guy? Shouldn't you be like the leading example? And, you know, I'm still human and there are still days where I wake up and I'm waking up a little bit late and, you know, I want to, still get everything done that day that, you know, I've set for myself. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to convince, uh, the voice in my head to, to say, okay, let's take a moment and let's meditate. Cause it'll be beneficial for your whole day. Um, so, you know, the full disclosure is, yeah, at times I, I struggle. And at times I, I even skip sessions that, you know, 
Um, I know that I should not, but I think, you know, that comes with being human and it's all a learning curve. And, um, often when that happens for me, I try to like change up my practice. So either, you know, increasing the amount of time that I do it just so that, you know, I shock up my body and it doesn't stay monotonous. So, um, you know, I've done, uh, times where I've gone from like, okay, I'll do a 20 minute sit in the morning and then a 20 minute at night to like, okay, let's do a 45 minute in the morning. Um, and just get my body like totally unused to what's going on here. Uh, and that can make it kind of more exciting because it's like a little bit of a challenge and, um, something different. And, uh, yeah, they're like, you know, it's like all tips and tricks on basically like habit forming and how to maintain a habit. Um, that are all, you know, present kind of within continuing to make the practice fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, going back to the example of Yuval Harari that I mentioned, um, with him meditating a couple hours a day and a couple months straight a year. Um, in your opinion, is there, is there such thing as too much meditation? Have you thought about what the right amount of meditation is, if there is a right amount? Yeah, I don't know if there's too much. I think it all depends on on who you are and what you want to do with your life, you know. So, um I think you know, for me the idea of being in solitude for the remainder of my life and meditating is something that uh I don't think would be of value to the world. So, you know, I I kind of had this moment when I first started meditating where I was like, wow, I really think I could do this forever and it would be really, really enjoyable. And I think I would feel super liberated. Um, and then, you know, I had this other side of me that was saying, well, you can't just do this forever because you have to also share this knowledge with people. Um, and you have to help people that are struggling to be with themselves and struggling to find enjoyment in life right now. And, um, you know, I think that was like a very clear, uh, message that was, you know, presented to me. Um, and, you know, I just felt like I, I needed to, to help other people. And, and, you know, it started in college for me where I, I literally was having friends come over and educating them on everything I knew about meditation at the time, which was not much, you know, and I'm like, reading books out loud to them and, you know, was reading like 20 books a month, trying to learn as much as I could, uh, talking to as many people as I could. And, you know, I just knew that, um, I wanted to do more than just sit. Um, you know, that being said, I think, you know, without that time for myself, I would not be able to teach, um, other people and I would not be able to show up every day as the best version of myself. So I think it's a, it's a balance and for everybody it's different. And, you know, I try to do, uh, at least one, you know, long retreat a year, uh, you know, 10 days plus, um, you know, where I'm, I'm trying to really just be there with myself and try to learn more about myself and learn more about my practice so that I can be a better resource for, you know, the people that I interact with and the people in my life. Um, but, you know, I think there's no such thing as too much as long as, you know, you're fulfilling what feels meaningful to you. Uh, yeah. For 
for those who you've spoke to about meditation, what have you seen has been most helpful for them to to start a practice? Uh, has it been an app? Has it been setting a certain amount of time a day? What have you seen are some some helpful ways to get started? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest tip that I've re- that I've had uh, and the biggest help that I've had is honestly find a friend that will do it with you. Um, even if you are not, you know, in the same place, uh, the accountability, the feeling that, you know, you're actually gaining a new habit with somebody, uh, that you're not doing this alone, you know, really allows for the habit building to be way easier. Um, you know, and, and I've done this with a ton of people where I'll kind of be their accountability person, you know, I'll do my meditation in the morning and shoot over a text, uh, you know, with kind of a quote, that, you know, was solicited from my practice or anything that I'm thinking of that day, you know, just to kind of remind people about, you know, this lifestyle that they're trying to choose. And then, you know, asking how their meditation practice went uh, for the day and, and, you know, just starting with something really achievable as well. Um, whether that's one minute, whether that's five minutes, whether it's three breaths, 10 breaths, you know, it doesn't have to be a long time to start. It's more about, you know, building that habit. Um, and, you know, the way we build habits is basically there's, you know, a trigger that reminds you to do something and then, you know, a reward that comes from doing the habit, you know, so kind of playing with that system. Um, and basically for me, that's, you know, I know my meditation is in the morning. Uh, so I know I wake up and the first thing I do is I go and I sit and then, you know, I do my meditation and I know that my reward is once I'm done, I get to have my coffee and I don't get to have coffee until after I meditate so that I'm not, you know, jittery on the <laughs> meditation cushion. Um, and I think, you know, being able to add it into my morning routine already. So, you know, I had already been drinking coffee in the mornings, you know, and and uh, it was kind of just like seamlessly able to add this in. And now, you know, that's the main focal point of my morning routine and everything else is built around that. Um, but I think, you know, those are the, those are the keys I would say. So find a friend, uh, that's going to help keep you accountable. Um, and also, you know, do it with you and make you feel like you're not alone, make it super easy for yourself. Don't think that you can do, you know, it's not, you don't want to feel it. It's like being like, walking to the gym for the first day and being like, Oh, I can run a marathon on the treadmill right now. Like you can't, you know, so don't expect that you should be able to sit for an hour right off the bat. And if you can, that's incredible, but you know, make it so that you feel like it's something you could do every single day. Uh, and then the third would be added into stuff that you already do. So if you have a morning routine, make it part of that morning routine and make it so that you're reminded, you don't have to, consciously remind yourself but you're reminded every morning whether that's you know you set up a little meditation cushion space in your room where you wake up and it's the first thing you see so you're automatically reminded to do it um and then you know reward yourself for for doing it uh in whatever way makes sense to you cool well yeah i like the idea of accountability um a friend and i do that around like going to the gym we yeah we keep ourselves accountable and and put some money on the line as an incentive. So I'll try to find someone mm-hmm. for that. I think that's a good idea. And then also your point around a trigger, I'll I'll try to see if I can do it at the same time every day. 
Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's funny. You know, it's like, yeah, like you said, a lot of people do this with the gym already. You know, you, it's like if you want to start going to the gym, um, you know, you want to feel comfortable there or you want to feel like there's somebody with you that's also going to be uncomfortable. Um, you know, especially the first time, you know, you walk into a gym, and there's all this weird equipment. There are all these like big guys that are like lifting big weight. You're like, should I be doing that as well? Um, you know, and there are all these other people that are just super fit and you're like, I feel out of place. Um, you know, but having a friend with you makes it so that, you know, you don't feel fully out of place. You feel like, you know, at least somebody gets you and and that you belong to some extent. And I think, you know, the same is true with meditation. You know, you could start doing it and you're like, I don't feel like I'm doing it right. Or, uh, I think I should stop because this is, you know, driving me crazy and, you know, having a friend be like, yeah, I'm feeling the exact same thing makes it so that you're not alone and you don't feel like, you know, that you're the worst meditator in the world. Then you're reminded that, you know, you're just a person trying something new, uh, along with your friend who is also trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. For um, a big, yeah. Those are definitely parts of it for me. And then also not wanting to let the other person down. I find sometimes yeah. it's easier to just let yourself down. <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you about um, your thoughts on meditation versus, I don't know, physical activity, whether that's going to the gym or playing a sport or, or journaling um, and wondering if the answer is just, there should be time for, for all of these. Um, but like something I've, thought about or heard in arguments against meditation in the past is people saying, Oh, I found it more effective to just go to the gym or to, or to journal. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, in, in my view of things, I do think that there's definitely time for everything. Um, and I do know that, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with tons of people that are like, yeah, meditation time is when I'm on the treadmill or it's when I'm, you know, getting a super hard workout and my mind basically goes, think about anything. And, you know, there's just blood pumping and movement. And, um, you know, I think the, the key difference though, with meditation versus, you know, some of this other stuff is that when you leave the gym, you know, the workout is, is done. Um, and, you know, often people have to wait until the next workout to kind of get that clear headed feeling. Uh, meditation, on the other hand, I found has really translated to real life. So I'll sit in the morning and it'll profoundly affect how I go about my day where I feel like I'm literally taking the of being able to return to my breath and being able to, you know, when stuff disrupts me. So for instance, you know, I walk into the subway in New York City and somebody screams in my face, which, you know, has happened several times in the last, you know, two months. Um, <laughs> you know, and and I'm not like, whoa, what the heck? You know, and now my day is all thrown off because somebody threw something into my routine that I didn't expect. But you know, I'm like, okay, that was weird. Let me return to my breathing and, you know, reset myself. And and I think um, you know, that for me is the key difference uh, in meditation versus a lot of these, you know, other tools that are also really, really valuable and tools that I do. I I try to work out and move my body every day. And I do try to journal every day. Um, 
but I think, you know, the meditation I've seen have real, uh, effects in real time in my life. Um, and I carry that forward even when I get off the cushion. So it's not like, I feel like I need another workout after somebody screams in my face. You know, I don't feel like I need to go back to the meditation cushion. If somebody screams in my face, I feel like it's happening right there in the moment. Um, so I do think that, you know, there, there's definitely need and time for all of them. Um, and you know, it's you as a person, it's self work. Um, so you know, I, I love, I think it's funny when people are like, I don't have the time. And, you know, I think to me, that's an excuse because if it's important to you, you make time for anything. Um, you know, so it's just about figuring out why it would be important to you or, or, you know, why you deserve to, to kind of get some of that time for, uh, working on yourself and, and pushing yourself to do that hard work, um, and then rewarding yourself for it. Have you, have you had experience doing guided meditations in the past? Uh, leading or leading. leading. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, was, I was curious if, if we could do like a one or two minute one now, uh, I yeah. thought it'd be cool for people listening. Yeah. I think that that is uh that that is a great idea. Cool. Yeah. Um, can I, can I leave it with you to run with it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I would say, you know, just kind of establishing a little bit of, of form first, you know, just finding uh, a position that's uh, relaxed but alert at the same time. So this is kind of the, you know, key discrepancy in thinking that you need your legs to be crossed. Uh, it's not true that often, you know, in uh, Eastern culture was was an easy way to get the spine nice and erect and aligned so that your breathing would travel really nicely throughout your body. Um, but you know, that given what we do every day. So, you know, starting by, by just finding a position that's, you know, relaxed, but yet alert. So you want to feel grounded. You want to feel like your feet are planted into the ground. Um, so if you're sitting in a chair, you know, that your back is still straight, um, but if you want to get support from the back of the chair, that's not a problem at all either. Uh, and just, you know, knowing yourself, you know, you want to not be so alert that you're in pain, but you don't want to be so relaxed that, you know, you might fall asleep. Um, and then, you know, just starting by closing your eyes, um, or resting your gaze gently down in front of you. Uh, and then you just take a few nice deep breaths here. Breathing in through your nose, back out through your mouth to start letting go. Maybe on that next exhale, letting your shoulders sink away from your ears, your chest compress, your abdomen soften. Just starting with trying to release any tension that may be held in our bodies. Then you slowly just let your breath return to a normal rhythm. Breathing in through your nose, back out through your nose. 
we're just going to spend a minute or so trying to feel as our breath enters and leaves our body. So if you take a nice deep breath through your nose right now, you'll feel cooling sensation on top of the nose, tip of the lip. You feel your chest expand, your stomach inflate. And on that exhale, you'll feel the opposite. Your stomach compresses, your chest deflates. Feel that warmth as the air leaves your nostrils. So in our practice today, just finding one of those points or the whole experience of breathing and trying to feel the sensations. As you breathe now, feeling the coolness on that inhale, the warmth on the exhale. Allowing yourself to rest in that sense. Allowing yourself to watch those feelings as they change. Just spending a few seconds in your own in your own silence to practice. Now just taking stock again, seeing if even in that short silence you got distracted. If you did, not judging it, not getting angry, but rather trying to recognize how easily you can get distracted. And just gently trying to come back to your breathing. Seeing each moment as an opportunity to start again. We'll just finish with one more nice breath here together. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Slowly start to return to the space around you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, I kind of threw you on the spot with that, but that was really cool. I'm, I'm glad. I love being thrown on the spot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's honestly a, a great way to start with the practice is just trying to watch the breath as it enters and leaves the body. Um, and I think that that's a funny, another funny distinction is that people are like, when people think focus on the breath, you know, they think focus like, you would in class where you have to really acutely pay attention. Um, and rather it's more just, you know, feeling the sensation of breathing and that's way easier to rest your attention with than being like, Oh, I got to focus on my breath. I got to focus on my breath. I got to focus on my breath. I'm not focused on my breath. And then your mind is, you know, running in a hundred different directions and you know, you're almost thinking about meditating rather than yeah. meditating itself. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's very funny at first. Uh, and you know, when I first got into meditation, I literally, the first meditation I did, I spent, you know, 20 minutes on and off three minutes on two minutes off as if I was like literally like doing interval sprints on a treadmill, um, <laughs> where it would be like three minutes of meditation, not really doing meditation, being like, got to focus on my breath, got to focus on my breath. And then two minutes of being like, my back hurts. My mind is all over the place. Let me lay down. And then I would like sit back up and try it again. Um, and it took a lot of, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of research, a lot of willingness to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I want somebody to tell me what to do. Um, and I think that that's like really when it started to change when I want okay, how do I actually meditate, not just think about meditating? That's funny how just thinking about um, wanting to focus on your breath can be a distraction. Uh, you, you mentioned in your book, which I found interesting, was that um, setting timers for your meditation was a distraction for you in the past. I've experienced the same yeah. thing of just while I'm trying to meditate, um, keeps popping into my mind how much time is left in this meditation and you mentioned you you tried stopping setting timers and found that helpful curious are you still not setting timers and if so like how do you make sure that you don't go over or or i guess if you have other commitments making sure that you're still on time for them yeah, I experiment with it usually on the weekends. So, you know, during the weekdays, there's definitely a little bit more of a regimented schedule. Uh, so I'll still set, you know, an occasional timer. Uh, but often what I do is I try to change the time a little bit. So, you know, if today is 20 minutes, tomorrow might be 22 minutes and Wednesday might be 18, you know, it's all around kind of the same time, but just trying not to make you because know, I think it's when you get stagnant that you're like okay this today feels today's 20 minute feels longer than yesterday's 20 minute that you're like maybe I set the timer wrong maybe I should <laughs> take a look and I think that that's when the distraction happens um and then on the weekend is when I usually experiment when I'll just say okay I don't really have anything for the next hour so if I can sit for an hour that would be super awesome if I can sit for more then, you know, whoever I have plans with is going to have to uh, get some long explanation as to how I managed to sit in meditation for however many hours. Um, but I think that, you know, it's 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 a good, fun experiment for yourself to say, how long can I go? How do I feel when there's no expectation of me? You know, when you set a timer, you're almost setting an expectation. So if you set a 20 minute timer, you're expected to meditate for 20 minutes. Um, if there's no timer, there's no expectation and you might exceed the time that you expected you would, or you might realize that for right now you need less time. Um, and that's how I've always told people to start is, you know, if you have the time, the first meditation you do should just be sit as long as you can go. And if you can go for 15 minutes, that's awesome. You know, maybe that's not where you start. Maybe you say, okay, that was felt really long, but it lets you know you can do five minutes. You know, if the first time you sit uninterrupted, you can only do five minutes and you're like, that was really hard. Then, you know, OK, maybe I should start with, you know, one minute. Um, so I think it allows you to, in the beginning, at least understand what your baseline is. Um, and then, you know, further down in the practice, it allows you to test yourself and 
feel like you don't need regimented expectations uh, anymore. Um, you you mentioned, I guess, when you filled out the form um, for the podcast that you'd be interested in talking about the direction you think meditation is headed. Um, one thought I've had is um, there's there's obviously lots of gyms, um, but there aren't as many I guess, places to meditate. There are places you can go to meditate, but it's, it's, I guess, not as, um, common. I was wondering if, like, if you see a future in which, uh, I don't know, every gym has a space for meditating or if you, like, do you see it as something that people will do mainly, um, like in the comfort of their own home versus like in a more public space? Yeah, I guess for me, the way I see the future going is I think that the apps are are incredible. Um, And I think that the fact that tons more people are meditating at home is amazing. Um, I definitely think that where some of this stuff falls short is that, you know, people want that community element. Um, And I think this is almost why, you know, big gyms, that, you know, are just simple weightlifting cardio gyms where, you know, you're not taking fitness classes are starting to suffer more because people don't want to go to a gym, keep their headphones in and not talk to anybody. You know, they want to go to a gym where their friends are and where they can have conversation and feel connected. And and I think that, you know, that's why CrossFit has been so successful in the fitness world, because they've provided an element of basically community where, you know, you're not tuned out, you know, so uh, while meditation is, I think a very individual practice and it's not like you can talk to another person while you're doing it. Um, I definitely think that, you know, it will start becoming something where community is necessary and almost required in order to, to get people excited about meditation. So I'm not sure if that looks like, gyms i'm not sure if that looks like drop-in meditation studios i'm not sure if that looks like you know all of a sudden people are just doing it uh you know with friends as if it were like going to get food um so i i think i I think it's really exciting to see that you know a lot of people that i've at least spoken to are saying you know okay i really like that you know i have this community element to meditation you know and i uh, was hosting a a weekly meditation session, uh, with a bunch of people. And then, you know, those have turned into weekly dinner series that, you know, involve, uh, really deep discussions as well as meditation. And, um, I think that people are really resonating with the fact that, you know, this tool while it's individual is really aided by having people around. Another thing, uh, I've found super helpful, which, which you've mentioned uh, in the book. And maybe this is an excuse that I've come up with for myself for not actually sitting down and meditating, but um, like listening meditations as I'm walking, just like as simple as, I don't know, walking to work and trying to pay attention to all the different sounds I can hear. And um, it's pretty cool. Like all, at least for me, like all the different sounds you can hear from, I guess, like people's feet on the street to like cars honking to like cars braking to um like exhaust 
pipes and like just so much going on, which I've found helpful. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, walking meditation is, is a whole nother element of, of practice and it's often very useful for a lot of people that are like, okay, I get very antsy when I sit and slow down and, and it's a great, you know, it, it has its whole, uh, value. And often when you're on retreat, you do, you know, several walking and sitting meditations alternated. Um, so there's definitely tons and tons of value in it. And, uh, yeah, I think you're spot on in saying, you know, being able to hear all the sounds and be really present in life is, uh, you know, even on a walk to work is, is super valuable, um, and can affect how you feel throughout the whole day. As we're running out of time, unfortunately, um, maybe what's one thing um, you w- you'd want to leave with someone listening who's um, never tried meditation before, um, and maybe one thing for someone who's tried meditation before but isn't currently meditating and doesn't have a practice around it, and maybe maybe that piece of advice is the same. But curious, curious what you'd say to them. Yeah say it definitely has overlap if if you've never tried it before my advice is try it um (laughs) and then ask for guidance uh don't be afraid to reach out to you know anybody whether it's you know i found that meditation teachers on instagram on facebook on linkedin wherever are so receptive to people asking questions about the practice uh because you know we all want to provide value and we all want to help people meditate. So anybody reaching out being like, Hey, I just meditate for the first time. And this, 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 and this came up, you know, like to me, that's like, you know, Christmas in July. Like I get so excited when people ask me questions about it because I'm like, Oh, I can actually be useful. Um, and then I guess, you know, yeah, similarly for people who have done it before, and have you know fallen off or have not found value in it it's my advice would be just start again um you know i think i I said it earlier on a podcast but you're getting comfortable with yourself in this practice and you know you're going to be with yourself for a pretty long time um so finding comfortability and just being with yourself uh has exponential value and I would love for people to be able to find that for themselves uh, and then, you know, be able to do whatever it is they want to more fully and with more present mindedness. And yeah. Um, And also, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. If you hate it, you should probably ask somebody why it is you hate it and see what they have to say. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thanks. Thanks so much for the time. Really, really enjoyed yeah, this no. and appreciate it. Definitely. So happy to be here, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.